Hey, this is Aaron Brockett, lead pastor of Traders Point Church. Regardless of where you are tuning in around the world or if you call Indianapolis home, I just wanna thank you for tuning in to our weekly message podcast. Our prayer and desire is that God would take the content of these messages and use it to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus as you discover God's purpose for your life. I hear there was a football game last night. And I don't know why everyone was so excited to see my Kentucky Wildcats beat Vanderbilt yesterday. It's a weird, weird thing for everybody in Indiana to get excited about. But no, nah, Purdue fans, you get, this is your time to shine. This is your time to be so happy. All right? You should be so happy today. Ohio State fans, I'm so sorry. We're glad you're at church. We, we, we mourn with those who mourn, and we rejoice with those who rejoice. Hey, we're glad to have you. My name is Petey. I'm one of the pastors here. I got to warn you, I'm coming in a little bit hot today. All right, I'm coming fresh off vacation. I spent a week with my family, with my little kids at the beach, just soaking up the memories and soaking up all the love. And so that also means I'm coming back with a little bit of an extra oomph, a little extra rest. And so you all are the beneficiaries or the recipients of that extra oomph. All right, so just get ready. I'm coming in a little bit hot today. You have been warned. Okay, you've been warned. Uh, grab a Bible and get to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be in Ephesians 3 today. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. We'll have it on the screen behind me for you. Uh, but one of the things that I realized uh, coming off vacation is uh, there is a new sheriff in town when it comes to how adults waste their time. All right, so, you know, in previous generations on a trip like I was just on, you know, I'm, I, 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 by the way, I drew a lucky hand where my parents and my in-laws love each other and they get along. And so we all like vacation together, which is crazy, but it works for us. And so I, I found this interesting thing, like in, in generations previous and, um, on, on a trip like this, adults may have wasted their time uh, in the evenings by watching TV together or by reading a book or something productive. Now what happens, it, it doesn't matter if you're young or you're old, it's, it's totally cross-generational. The, the new sheriff in town for adults to waste time is social media. All right, it, it was amazing. We put the kids to bed, and within five, ten minutes, every single person in the house, every adult would have their phone up, scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through Facebook, scrolling through Twitter. And, and, and I'm not hating on social media, all right? I'm not hating. I actually love social media. I think it has, uh, it, it has revealed some things to us about ourselves, about humanity, that we maybe thought were true, but now we know they're true. Like, for instance, I think social media has revealed to us that we as humans are inherently funny people, all right? We have a sense of humor. Like, you, you cannot get on social media and, and not see something new and hilarious that happens just about every day. This is one of, my, one of the ways that my wife and I waste time in the evenings is we look at stupid YouTube videos. So one of our favorites is the milk jug throwing prank video. Have you guys ever seen milk jug throwing prank video? Go ahead and throw that video up here. Someone thought it would be a good idea to just... <laughs> Grab jugs of milk and act like you're falling and just throw them and then video it. <laughs> this is all they do. You, and there are hours of these videos on here. And these poor people are like so concerned for them. This is my favorite. Watch the guy, like this, this sweet lady's like, what is happening? And she offers him her cart. And he still slips. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. This is brilliant. Like, this is revealed in, in, in our nature deep down. God has given us a sense of humor. One of my favorite ones that just happened was on Twitter a few weeks ago. It was a hashtag that went around called hashtag white people love to say. 
All right, I don't know if you saw hashtag white people love to say, but there's some of these that were just hilarious. I love them because they were way too true, and I say all of them. Give me, yeah, let's go first one. Uh, white people love saying things like, here comes trouble, with a big grin on their face when they see someone they know out in public. <laughs> I was like, I've said that. I've said that for sure. Like, uh, white people love saying, clean as a whistle after cleaning anything. It's like, I think I just said that yesterday. Next one. White people love saying, will you pack me in your suitcase when you're going on vacation? My dad said that, for sure. Next one. White people love saying, it went down the wrong pipe after choking. Like, we've got pipes around here. Next one. This is my favorite. Uh, uh, white people are saying, it's, it's because you're so sweet when you get bit by mosquitoes. I say this stuff all the time, and it's so funny, because then I ask one of my black friends, like, hey, do you ever say this stuff? And I, 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 I read him a few, and he, was, he just looked at me and smiles like, no, no, I, I, I don't say it. I've never said that. <laughs> I, I, lo I love, like, social media has shown us that we are pretty funny people, but it's also shown us some other things about ourselves that are maybe not so pleasant and not so fun. Uh, because we don't just go to social media to get our dose of comedic relief. Uh, we, we go to social media to get our news. We go to social media to express our views and our opinions and our perspectives and, and to read other people's views and other people's opinions and other people's perspectives. And what this has revealed to us is that as humans, we have this inherent tendency to surround ourselves with people who are mostly just like us. See, like when's the last time you, you saw someone post something on social media that you didn't agree with, that you strongly disagreed with, and you know what happened in your heart, you were tempted to click that little button that says unfriend. Or maybe not unfriend, you can do what Facebook allows now, which is just unfollow, which means you can still be friends. Like, they still see you as a friend, you just don't see anything they do, which this is super crazy, like the complexities of social media. But, like, this is what we do. We, we, we follow people, and we share things that agree with our perspective. We mostly surround ourselves with people who look, think, talk, act, and see the world just like we do. And, 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 that, and th this was true before social media, right? Because like when you think about your friend groups, you think about the people that you love, you think, you think about the people you're closest to. They're mostly people that think, look, talk, act, and are in the same age range as you. And th this, this is just who we are. We surround ourselves with same. But the problem with that, that, that Ephesians 3 is going to reveal to us today, is that if we're going to fight for a fresh faith, and right, that's what this whole series is about. How, how do we fight for a fresh faith? Like not a stale faith that just sits on the shelf until Sundays and then we pull it out and use it on Sundays and then stick it back on the shelf for Monday through Saturday. Not, not a stale faith, but like a, a fresh faith that's alive and that's, that's, it, it's, it's growing and it's, it's, it's making a difference. If we're going to fight for a fresh faith, that it, it actually requires difference. It actually requires different people to be around. And this is actually how God set it up from the beginning. So let's jump into Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 6. And let's read it. It says this. This is God's plan. Sorry, Drake, but this is God's plan. He had a long time ago. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. And both are part of the same body. And both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Now pause for a second. That first line that came out there says, by the, the, this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally. That right there would have dropped the jaws of people in the first century. 
This, this, changed, this whole concept would have changed the spiritual landscape for the Jewish people in the first century. And now to really understand that verse and to understand its magnitude, you got to back up for a second. You got to back up and, and, and you got to think about the Old Testament as a whole for a, for a second. Now, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, it's okay. But when, when you go back and read through the Old Testament, you see that it's, it's the story of God's relationship with one country, with one nation, the nation of Israel. And, and so it, it, it chronicles God's special relationship with them. It, it, it takes, he, God leads them out of slavery. He puts them into a country of their own. He, he, he works through kings and wars and famines, and, and it's God's special relationship with Israel. And so it's no wonder then that when you get to the New Testament and you start reading about the Jewish people, they thought that they were the golden boys and girls. Like they thought that they were God's chosen golden boys and girls. And no wonder, right? Because all they knew up to that point was God's special relationship with Israel. I mean, just, just think about the word for a second, Gentile. Right? That, that's not a word that we use today in our normal, normal vernacular, but when you read the Bible, you see it all the time. And the, the word Gentile was a word that Jews came up with to describe anyone who wasn't them. <laughs> they didn't even bother to like come up with words for different people groups. It was like, it's us and it's all y'all. It's kind of how I feel about Kentucky basketball living in Indiana. As a Kentucky basketball fan, it's like Kentucky against all y'all. Purdue, IU, it don't matter. It, if, you ain't, if you ain't with us, you're against us. This is how the Jews felt. There's us and there's all y'all. And, and, and again, this, is, this would have made sense to them because this is all they knew. But, but God's plan was always bigger than one people group. God's plan was always bigger than just the nation of Israel. In fact, go back to Genesis with me for a second. You don't need to turn there. I'll put the verse on the screen for you. But Genesis 22, this is a promise that God made to Abraham. Father Abraham, your father Abraham had many sons, that whole thing. I don't know that because I didn't grow up in church, but that was a bone that I'm throwing to those of you who did grow up in church. I heard that was a song. It's a weird song, <laughs> okay? So just so you know, it sounds super weird. Here we go. Here's what he says to Abraham. He says, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. What a promise. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. What a promise. And here it is. Here's the real big part of it. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. You see, God's plan from the get-go, yes, it started with the nation of Israel, but it was always bigger. From the very beginning in the book of Genesis, he says, I'm going to bless the entire world through your descendants. It was always more than just them. It was always with the world in mind. But you see, even the Jews, when you get to the time of Jesus, they saw this promise as a promise of political dominance. When they see this, like through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, what they thought was, awesome, that means that like Israel is going to be the superpower and, and, and we're going to be the ones that are distributing food to people and we're going to be the ones that are blessing people and like the whole world will be blessed because we're going to be in control. They saw the promise as political dominance, which is why they struggled so much with Jesus. When you read your New Testament, you see, man, it seems like the Jewish people are having a hard time getting on board with Jesus. This is why. Because Jesus comes along, and he starts leading, and he starts doing his thing and creating his movement of followers with zero political power. Seemingly disinterested in the political game. Could have garnered all the followers that he had and turned it into a political movement, but didn't. Zero political power. This is why their jaws would have hit the floor when Paul says both Jews and Gentiles, Jews and all y'all, share equally 
in the riches and the blessings of following Jesus. Because God's plan from the very beginning was always to bring different people together through Jesus. God's plan from the very beginning was always to bring different people together through Jesus. He, it, was, it was how he set the whole thing up. This, this didn't take him by surprise. He, he knew he was going to work through Israel, and then he knew he was going to get it to the rest of the world, and that's how he wanted it to be. Because God's love does not discriminate. It, it doesn't matter if you're black, if you're white, if you're brown, if you're rich or you're poor, if you're young or you're old or you're middle-aged, and you don't know which you are, which means you're probably old. It, 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 it doesn't matter like what team you prefer, what kind of music you prefer, what your cultural background is. It doesn't matter if you've got a, an awesome home or you're homeless. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you come from. God's love doesn't discriminate. If you believe in Jesus, he's for you, and you have complete and total access there's no more privilege. There's no more favoritism. There's no more preference shown. You're in. If you believe in and you follow Jesus, you're in. Because God's plan from the get-go was to bring different people together through Jesus. And so the, 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 the Jews that started to understand this are like, okay, 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 okay. So, so he loves everybody. Okay, okay. But still, when you read the book of Acts, you see this. But still the Jewish people thought, they all have to become Jewish though, Right? Like, I know God loves them. I know God's, yeah, that's great. But they're all going to, like, start doing our traditions, right? They're going to, like, listen to our music and pray our prayers and wear our clothes. And, like, they're going to, like, assimilate. They're all going to become Jews, right? And this was the hot-button question in the book of Acts. How Jewish do you have to be to follow Jesus? And so the leaders get together and they pray and they pray. And they're like, God, what should we do? What should we do? And, and, and they come back with this answer and they say, you know what? God has told us that all you have to do that's Jewish is just don't eat the meat from these pagan festivals. Basically, just don't like worship other gods and don't be sexually immoral. Outside of that, keep your culture. Like, what, like whatever culture you brought in here, just, just keep it. Men, you don't have to be circumcised. And when they said that, every man in the house that day was worshiping God on his knees. It was the most expressive men have ever been in worship. It was just like, hallelujah, praise the Lord ten times. I'm going to get circumcised. It was amazing. And the reason I share all that with you is that you need to understand that the family of God was always meant to be Multicultural. It was always meant to be different cultures and different backgrounds and different people all brought together underneath the one name of Jesus. It, it, it was never meant to be this like assimilate into our thing and be just like us. No, no, you, like whoever you are and whatever you walked in here with, whatever music you like to listen to, however you like to dress, like whatever culture you come from, like however you talk, however you walk, bring it in here. It's okay. You're welcome in the family of God because God's plan from the get-go was always to bring different people together. Through Jesus. And now there's a reason for this. We can clap for that. That's worthy. There's a reason for this, though. Okay? And the reason is not, maybe not what you would think. Because the reason has nothing to do with political correctness. The reason has nothing to do with just checking off a box so that you fend off the cultural pressure to be diverse. See, there's a pragmatic reason and then there's a theological reason. We'll get to the theological reason in a second. But there's a pragmatic reason that God always wanted to bring different people together under Jesus. And it's simply that we're actually better together. Do you know that? We are actually better, not just in this room, but in every room, when there are different kinds of people around. 
When, 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 there, when, it, when it's not a room full of same, we are actually better. And science has actually caught up with this. Science has actually already proven this. This is not opinion. This is a scientific fact now. And this is why I'm telling y'all, as, as Christians, side note, as Christians, we should never be scared of science. Like, uh, science is, is our best friend. We should never be scared of science. Science is not going to disprove the existence of God. Science is the process of us understanding how God made it. That's all this is. And, and science is going to catch up with, with a lot of this. And, so, and science has caught up with this, with God's heart. Because look, look, look at the study that um, MIT did back in 2014. They studied diverse, uh, diverse workplaces versus homogenous or same workplaces. Here's what they found. The, the more homogenous offices have higher levels of social capital, meaning they get along better. They, they enjoy being around each other. The same, in, in, they actually enjoy being around each other. They have higher levels of social capital. But the interesting twist is that higher levels of social capital are not important enough to cause those offices to perform better. The employees might be happier. They might be more comfortable. And, and, and these might be cooperative places, but they seem to perform less well. Forbes magazine released another study that was done back in 2017 where they, they found this, that decisions made and executed by diverse teams delivered 60% better results. We actually work better. Like we do a better job at just about everything when different people come together. And come on, we've seen this in our lives. We know that we know the value of a different perspective. We know this is true, that when we huddle up with same, when we huddle up with people that are just like us, same breeds bias. Same breeds bias. When you huddle up with people that are just like you, come on, you know this is true. You start to look at people that are slightly different than you, and you start to view them a little bit negatively. You start to vilify them. You start to say that their differences are actually bad and not just differences. Same breeds of bias, and, and oftentimes it's unintentional. I actually just experienced this this past week when I was on vacation with my family. Uh, we, we were renting out a duplex in, in North Carolina, and the other half of the duplex was empty most of the week, except for the last two days. The last two days, about eight to ten people moved into this other, other side of the duplex. And now these other eight to ten people, if you all saw them and you saw my family, you'd say, y'all are probably family. I mean, my family's from the south, and so we're, we're a bunch of hicks. And this family that moved into the duplex next to us, they're a bunch of hicks. And I mean, you, you wouldn't be able to tell us apart. There's no way. But you, you, would have, you would not believe how quickly I was able to find things that they were way more hick than us. <laughs> I'm like, do you hear that twang? You hear that twang over there? You see how many cans of skull they got lined up over there? You know, I was finding ways that they're more hick than me. Like, how sick is that? Like, we're all from Kentucky, we're all from the South, we're all a bunch of rednecks, and I'm like, well, I'm not as red as they are. But this is just what we do. Like, when we huddle up with people that are just like us and, and are the same, we find people that are not like us in any small way, and we breed a, a bias against them. But now when you have different in your life, when you have different people around you and different people that you're developing friendships and different people that you're working with and different people that you're doing life with, different doesn't breed bias, different breeds empathy. D different breeds a, an, an ability to care for someone and to feel what they feel. To, to, to at least see and, and somewhat understand what life is like in their shoes. And man, empathy is so important. I mean, I, I, think, I think if there's one thing that could solve so many of, of, of our conflicts and so many of our world's problems, it would be empathy. Just the ability to see, like, why do you think that? And why do you feel that way? And why do you say the things you say? 
But you can't do that if you don't have different people in your life. And I'm telling you, this keeps your faith fresh. Empathy gives you the ability to love people like Jesus loves them. Empathy gives you the ability to see people like God sees them. And this, this keeps our faith fresh. And I'm seeing it firsthand in my life right now. I've been blessed to be a part of one of our groups here at Traders Point, and this group meets on Thursday mornings at, uh, at 6 a.m. I know that's like a, that's an ungodly time, uh, and, and it is, but it's worth it. But what, what I love the most about this group is how different it is. I mean, you can see, here's a picture. I, mean, I told him, I said, I man, if, if you're in a group with a preacher, just get ready. You're going to be a sermon illustration at some point, and it already happened. I made him take a picture with me. But it's, it's so different. It's filled with, it's black, it's white, it's young, it's old, it's, it's retired, it's, it's guys that are just getting out of college and getting into the workforce. It's, it's guys that have no kids, it's guys that have young kids, it's guys that have grown kids. It's, it, it's, it's guys that are single, guys that just started dating relationships, guys that are newlyweds, guys that have been married for a long time. It, it's just about every different perspective you can imagine in a group together. And let me tell you, it's keeping our faith fresh. The kinds of conversations that are happening cross-generationally. I mean, the, the, the kinds of conversations where uh, an, an older man who is retired is encouraging and speaking life into a man who just started his career and, and helping him navigate the complexities of that. A guy who has, who has young children is, is helping encourage a guy who has older children to remember the, the joy and the, and the beauty of parenting. I mean, it's, it's happening all over the place. Different is, is making us better. We're better together. It's keeping our faith fresh. And so, because this is how God created it to work from the get-go, because this was God's plan, we must then, it's incumbent upon us to then pursue that plan, to find ourselves smack dab in the middle of God's plan. And if you want to find yourself smack dab in the middle of God's plan, you've got to pursue difference. It's not going to just happen by accident. It, it, it may, you may stumble into it by accident, but chances are you're going to have to pursue it. You're, we, you and I are going to have to figure out this thing in our hearts that somehow, someway, every time we see someone different than us, whether they're a different age, a, a, a different skin color, a, 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 a different aisle on the political spectrum, we see different and our hearts walk the other way. We walk away from different. But if we're going to really pursue this and really be in the middle of God's plan, we have to change our hearts and we have to start to pursue it. We got to start diversifying our dinner tables. We got to start diversifying our parties, like diversifying our hangouts, seeing different and saying, I'm not going to walk away, I'm going to walk towards it. Because if we don't, if we don't, we risk letting our faith grow stale. And, and furthermore, what's even scarier is not only will our faith grow stale personally, but we actually risk putting a lid on the effectiveness of our church, the effectiveness of the gospel in this city. we got to pursue different. Now, I know, like, none of this is very, like, disagreeable yet, okay? Like, you know, we, we, we may not be, like, doing it perfectly, and all of us probably need to grow in this, but nobody's out there like, nah, man, I'm out. I hate people that are different than me. I'm walking away. Like, you're sicko. Like, that's, that, 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 this is not very disagreeable stuff. All of us, in, and again, this is a cultural value right now. Think about our, our, our country right now. Thank goodness, diversity is actually becoming a cultural value. Loving and pursuing people that are different than us is actually something that, you know, you don't have to be a Christian to get around that. That's something that our, our, our country is starting to get around. Even though we're still very divided and we still have a ton of work to do, it's starting to rise to the top as a cultural value. 
But the, the problem is when you actually start doing it. <laughs> the problem is when you actually start bringing different people into your circles, it's super hard. Super challenging, very painful, because different is uncomfortable, different introduces tension, different isn't always agreeable. It's hard. And again, science, this is not an opinion, this is fact. Science is proving it. If you go back to that MIT study that I referenced back from 2014, they actually, one of the other quotes from that study said this, said that homogenous teams, same teams, they felt great during the process, and yet they lost. Like they felt, they were all comfortable, they felt good, but they lost. While diverse teams felt miserable during the process until they finished and met their target. No one is telling us how hard it is, but you have to embrace that because the ultimate outcome will be better. It's hard. And, and this, this was no shocker to Paul. When Paul wrote Ephesians 3, he knew how hard this was going to be. In fact, look at what he says in verse 14. He says, when I think of all this, look what, he, look what happens. What does he do? He, he jumps for joy and he can't wait to do it. No, no, no. When I think of all this, bringing different people together in Jesus, I fall to my knees and pray. It's like I, he's like, I don't know what to do because we're, this, is, this sounds impossible. To bring different people together through Jesus. It, 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 I, the only thing I know to do is to pray. I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven. And on earth. And Paul's prayer, which is what we're getting ready to read, is the key. Paul's prayer is the how. Like, if you want to understand how to love people that are different than you, and how we can become a church that, that seeks out different and, and doesn't walk away from different, but walks toward different, his prayer is the key. So let's jump into it. Verse 16, he says this I pray that from his glorious and unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. You're going to need to be strong. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. You're going to have to obey him and trust him so much that God, Jesus just feels comfortable inside you. You're not doing anything to grieve him, but we've got to trust him. And then your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong because it's going to be tough and you're going to get knocked over and you've got to have deep roots. But then he gets to the crux of it right here. He says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And may you not just understand, but may you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully, then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. He says, if you, if you want to love people that are different than you, here's what you got to do. you got to understand with your mind the immeasurable, immense love of Jesus. But you don't just understand it with your mind, you got to experience it for yourself. You've got to experience it in your heart. And when you understand the love of God and you experience it in your heart, it will give you everything you need to love people who are different than you. Because Jesus, Jesus could not be more different than us. You understand that, right? Like there is no one who is more different from us than Jesus. Like we, we couldn't be further apart. Like while he is all powerful, we are weak and insufficient. While he's all-knowing, we are very limited in our knowledge. 
of the universe and, 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 and limited in our knowledge of how things work. See, while he's all-seeing, we can only see things from our perspective. While we are, are unable to live up to the standard of perfection that God requires, Jesus was perfectly able to, leave a, to live a perfect and sinless life. See, while we were stuck without a solution for the one thing that plagues us all, physical death, Jesus was able to, in and of himself, provide a solution and conquer death once and for all simply by the power within his own spirit. There is no comparison. We are nothing like Jesus. He is holy other. He is he's holy set apart. He is worthy. He's holy. He's mighty. He's loving. He's caring. He's everything we've ever strived to be and more. He couldn't be more different than us. He's entirely different. And yet, he's entirely different. And yet, he loves us. He didn't walk away from us. He walked towards us. He didn't stay away from different. He got up right next to different. He said, let me, let me bring you in. See, th this is why you have to understand in your mind and experience in your hearts the love of Jesus. Because Jesus, Jesus loved us and we are different. So if you want to love people that are different, you got to love like Jesus loves. you got to experience that. You can't offer something to someone that you haven't experienced and received yourself. And, and, and that's really the reason. You know, we, we talk about a pragmatic reason that, that God has a heart for diversity and, and, and different. There's a, there's a theological reason. And, and it's not about being politically correct. It's not about checking a box. It's because when we love people who are different than us, it puts the love of God on display for the world to see. It communicates the gospel to a world that isn't quite sure what it is. It, it, it communicates God's love to a world that is dying without it. When you love someone who's different than you, you are putting his gospel on display for the world to see. Jesus would say it like this in John chapter 13. He'd say, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. Like just as I have loved you, you were different and I came near to you. You were different, you were nothing like me, but I loved you with everything I've got. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And then your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It'll prove to the world. You see, Paul knew, Jesus knew, there's so much more on the line than just being politically correct. There is a world that is dying out there that needs to see the love of God. And if you and I can start to embrace this and start to love people who are different than us, and, and the world can see that, man, that is such a dangerous love. It's such a it, 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 it has the power to change the world. And that's why Paul would end Ephesians 3 with these last two verses, and then we'll wrap up. These last two verses say this, Now all glory to God, who is able. If you're wondering if you can do this, you can because he's able. Through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, I love these two words, infinitely more. One translation says far more. Infinitely more than we could ever ask for or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's like Paul saying, you know what, if you'll love different Jesus can give you the love to do it, and if you'll do it, he'll actually accomplish infinitely more, far more than you could ever ask for or think. He'll change the world through it. But, but it starts with us individually experiencing in our hearts and knowing with our minds how incredible and immense and immeasurable the love of Jesus is. And so let's do that today. I want you to stand to your feet at all of our campuses. And we're going to 
we're going to worship, but we're going to pray into this time of worship. And we're going to pray the same thing that Paul prayed for us 2,000 years ago when he wrote this. We're just going to pray what we just read right back to God. So go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's pray this. Jesus, we pray right now that from your glorious and unlimited resources, that you will empower us with inner strength through your spirit. God, we need your strength. We can't do this on our own. We are not capable of this. We need you. And then Jesus, we pray that you would make your home in our hearts as we trust you, that God, our lives and our, our, our obedience would be so, so committed and so strong to you that you're just relaxed in our hearts, that you're kicking back and you're enjoying life inside of our hearts, that nothing's grieving you about our lives. And God, we ask that you would grow our roots deep down into your love to keep us strong. God, when we get knocked over, when we offend someone, when we don't love different the way that we ought to, we're gonna need roots deep down into your love to keep us strong. And God, may we have the power to understand, as all of your people should, just how wide, just how long, just how high and how deep your love is for us. Help us to know it in our minds, to be reminded of it when we forget throughout the week. And God, not just know it in our minds, but God, may we experience the love of Jesus. Right now in these moments and every day when we wake up, God, help us to experience, to feel it in our hearts, to not just know it in our minds, but to feel your love. Though we know it's too great to understand fully, we just know that when we focus on your love, Jesus, that you're gonna make us complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from you. And God, we give you all the glory for this. We don't want to become a, a, a multi-ethnic, diverse move of God so that we can pat ourselves on the back. We want to love difference, all kinds of difference, as a way to express our gratitude to you, to give you the glory of what you can do in our hearts. And we know you're able through the mighty power at work within us through your Holy Spirit to take that and accomplish infinitely more, far more than anything we could ever ask for or think of. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. And the church prays together. Amen.